From Beyond Marketing, it's The 20-Minute Call, a podcast about the dreamers, boundary pushers, rebels, and champions of the skydiving industry. Each episode is a narrative journey highlighted by the highs, lows, and luck that the skydiving industry delivers as told by the most influential people within the sport. If you've ever dreamed of becoming a skydiver, perhaps opening a drop zone, or becoming the next world champion, check out the 20-minute call hosted by me, James Labarry. Hey, everyone. Before we get started with the show today, just wanted to give you a heads up. We had some Wi-Fi issues during this interview. And rather than delete all those segments, which can be annoying, I've chosen to leave them in because the storytelling from Miles was just so fascinating. So we hope that you'll bear with us apologize for some of the quality issues that were a little bit beyond our control during this recording. Otherwise, enjoy the show. In a world where convention often dictates our choices, there are rare souls who not only dared to dream, but also to chase those dreams with unparalleled fervor. Enter Miles Dasher, a man whose vision of the world started broadening right from his childhood thanks to the adventurous life of a son to a U.S. Air Force serviceman. While many find comfort in the predictable 9-to-5 routine, Miles danced to a different beat. He didn't just aspire to jump off of things and soar through the skies, he turned it into an art, a career, and an inspiration. With over 10,000 skydives, 7,000 base jumps, and record-breaking feats that have left audiences worldwide in awe, Miles is not just any skydiver. He's the man who in 2017 pushed his own boundaries by completing an astonishing 63 base jumps in just 24 hours. He's the innovator behind skyacking and rope swing base jumps and a proud member of the elite Red Bull Air Force. When he's not defying gravity, he's grounded in beautiful Twin Falls, Idaho, nurturing the dreams of aspiring base jumpers. And beyond the adrenaline rushes at his core, Miles is a dedicated father of three and a loving husband to an undoubtedly extraordinary wife. So without further ado, let's welcome a true maverick, a testament to the limitless possibilities of human potential, Mr. Miles Dasher. Welcome to the show, Miles. Woo! Thank you, James. Kind words, my friend. Miles? Yeah, man. That (laughs) is... uh... So nice to have you on uh, this podcast. Thank you. Um, For those not listening, Miles has been like scrambling for the last couple of hours, getting packed up, ready for Montreal. Montreal. Yes. How how much time are you actually on the road? Are are you on the road like constant? Most weekends. Um, In the summertime, it's almost every weekend. It kind of slows down a little bit. Actually, it hasn't been slowing down this last few years. We've been going all through the winter as well. But um, yeah, it's usually mostly on the weekends. I mean, this next trip, I'm, I'm going to the uh, Canadian, it's a boogie in Canada, and we're going to rock and roll. I'm organizing wingsuits and free flying and tracking, and then I'm going to be there for like three, four days, and then go to straight there from Lauterbrunn in Switzerland for 10 days. So it's a little bit of a longer trip. Most, most don't go past three weeks, but um, yeah, usually I'm gone for three to five days at a time and every once in a while for a three week boom go for it but yeah it's it's a lot of time away from home thank goodness to have facetime or you can hang out with your children every once in a while even if you're around the other side of the world how old are your kids 
Um, Dorothy's 19. She just went to college. Um, just, she starts today and, uh, Audrey is 16 and my son Eli is 14. So what was that like seeing your baby go off to college? It was good because she's ready for it. You know, she's fired up. She made the Boise State cheerleading team as a flyer and got to go out, <clears throat> excuse me, a couple days early, or no, I'm sorry, a couple weeks early to go train and get ready for the football games. And so she's all moved into her dorm and um, settled in, knows how to go where to eat and where to hang out with her friends and library and done the tour of campus. And, uh, and now school starts. So she had two weeks to prepare for it. So it's kind of the perfect storm for her. And, uh, yeah, I'm just excited. You know, my wife's all, okay, you're out of here going to school. I'm all, you're always welcome back, you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, um, uh, it's exciting. You know, it's, it's, um, I remember when I was going to college and it's just awesome time. And, and I know she is just starting to live her best life right now. And I'm just proud of her mm-hmm. and stoked. Do your uh, other kids, do they have any interest in in what you do with jumping or anything like that? Yeah. A long time ago when Dorothy and Audrey were just babies before Eli was born, they all said they wanted a, pr- a pink princess parachute. And then uh, and a friend of mine, uh, Shane McConkie, passed away while base jumping. And then after that, they asked me to be more careful and that they don't want a pink princess parachute. But Eli, he's still, I'm going to be a base jumper like my dad. And uh, I, I kind of would prefer him to be more of a pilot, you know, fly the plane and, uh, and this kind of thing. But um, whatever he wants to do, I'll fully support him. I'm not pushing base jumping toward, you know, at him by any means. Um, my wife would kill me if I said, let's go and put this on, arms in here, legs in here. Woo, send it. You're only 14 years old. But, um, yeah, she would lose her mind. Um but if they do wish to pursue skydiving, I'm going to help them. I'm not going to be the instigator, but I will definitely get behind it. And whatever they want to do in life, I'm going to get behind it. Do they watch your videos like the rest of us on, oh, yeah. on social? Or is it just like God Dad is doing his thing? Um, no, yeah, they watch them. They hit the like button and all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, and, and Dad, that one was pretty wild, you know. And But Usually it's like uh, they're they're more into the dance videos, like the TikTok things. You know, hey dad, want to do a TikTok with me? Let's dance, okay? Um, so it's more like that. But um, they do they know what I do, and they're proud of um, who I am. And uh, and yeah, they've got my back for sure. But um, mm-hmm. and Dorothy, she wanted to do a tandem skydive on her 18th birthday. And then she said, how much was that? Can I get clothes instead? So, yeah, it was short-lived. I was all, yeah, she's going to go for it. And she's been in an airplane and watched me jump out. She's on the ride-along, you know, sat in the back with the parachute on and, and watched me jump out. And that was so cool. I want to do that, Dad. And that just changed when she bought me clothes, I guess. I, I don't know. Kids these days, what are you going to do, right? <laughs> I'd imagine you would be able to get a hookup where there wouldn't be a cost. Uh, what am I missing here? you got a few teammates that, that do tandems right i'm about to renew my um tandem certific- certification as well here pretty quick are you yep yep just getting the medical got that all signed up to go do and and uh get my tandem back on again i got some got some irons in the fire got some cool things we want to do and, uh, and i do tandem base jumps off the bridge but i think having a tandem skydives having that reserted again um will just keep me more tuned up 
for, you know, like for the landings. I, I do well, but it wouldn't hurt to go out and do more of them out of a plane, even though the equipment's a little bit different. You know, um, Icarus World has worked with me and put together a, a tandem um, canopy. It's a TX2 with a little bit more um, aspect ratio and some vents and some Dacron lines and a zero P leading edge. And, but they, they went ahead and, and, and made it a base specific tandem canopy. And uh, super fun to fly. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm about to get get back in the sky again and start taking people. It's just fun sharing the the joy of skydiving with other people. And that's get to live vicariously, you know, through the people that you take. And to me, I just want to promote this sport because I love it. But um, yeah, I just want to share the dream of, of skydiving with people. And and uh, and this sport is amazing. It's it's uh, helped shape a, a, a lot of, of who I've become. And uh, I just when I first did my first jump, September 6, nineteen ninety five, it was hook, line, and sinkers. Ah, dude, that was awesome. What do I got to do to keep doing this? You know, start sweeping the floors, work in the office. You know, like pack parachutes. What what do we got to do? And that's kind of what I did is uh, moved to Scott Island, like Tahoe and and at the drop zone there that um, Mike Vale, Charles Bryan, and uh, John Devore were were um, heading running. Um, I worked there for three years and got my tandem certification there. I was packing parachutes for the first couple of years and then started doing tandems. And then I was a rich man because I could buy gear and do whatever I wanted and jump on airplanes and fly anywhere. And it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> whole lifestyle change through the sport of skydiving. Miles, take me back for our audience that like we know Miles of everything that we see, but who is young Miles? Like what was the circumstance when miles is is younger how long ago was it when you were first like what ignited your passion for skydiving and bass when i was super young i always like i always wanted to be a stuntman and i took judo and i spent a lot of time at the swimming pool and i learned how to like jump into water and kind of throw flips and twists and and, uh, and through judo, I learned how to do um, falls off of high places. And I would jump out of my treehouse a lot and jump off the roof. And I thought, oh, I'm going to be the coolest stuntman. We're going to jump into airbags. It's going to be fun. Maybe get shot out of a cannon someday. And that was all like in seventh grade, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. And then uh, from there, I just kind of kept on um, doing dives off the diving board and became a lifeguard and then became an um, charge of the diving board at I taught swim lessons and diving lessons and then uh, all through college and then after it wasn't until college I started bungee jumping and uh, I moved up to Lake Tahoe Squaw Valley in uh, 1993 and I lived in a house where everyone was on this bungee team um, primal instinct bungee and uh, we had a roommate lived in the back, Frank Gambale. He lived in a sauna. <clears throat> we never saw him. He would just come out like every time we play poker. He was just like, who are you? I'm the dude that lives in the sauna. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And Frank took me, uh, he took me, he was, he was showing me skydiving videos and, and base jumping videos. And like, you never saw this base jumping video because it was like, you know, gray area of legal and that kind of thing. And, uh, it was really cool to see all those and but really what struck me was the skydiving videos and i'm like dude where do you go skydiving that's something i've always wanted to do i saw i saw a guy land a parachute when i was eight years old on a soccer field that we were playing on and it was like 
whoa, that guy just came out of the sky and landed right here. And he's so cool. Oh my God. He's got baggy pants. It's wild. I want to do this, you know? And, uh, and it wasn't until I was 25 and I met Frank and Bali and we, he's like, you got a credit card? I'm like, yeah. All right. Well, let's go to, let's go to skydance skydiving at Yolo County airport, Davis, California and get a game on. And September 6th, 1995 was that magical day where you do an eight hour ground school and jump right into AFF. And, uh, before you know it, I got two instructors holding on to me, um, Dan and COB and they're holding on to me and Dan's all bend your knees, all serious. And COB is just like, bah! with his tongue sticking out, flapping against his face. And I just mirrored that right back at him. And then, and then back to Dan and he's like, do the thing. He didn't point cause I would have been different, you know, I'd have pulled, but I was doing the practice record pulls and I check in again and, Arch, and then look left and bah! <laughs> and like as soon as I jumped out of the airplane, I was I was thinking, this is the coolest feeling. How can I do this more and more and more? Because it's quite expensive, you know. When you get into it, when you're a ski bum, you know, living in Tahoe, barely making rent just to get a ski pass and, and uh, spend all the time, you know, ripping down the mountains. And then you go skydive, and you're like, wow, that was kind of expensive. And then you figure out how to get a job packing parachutes, you know, to help um, help fund the, the passion. And I ended up moving out to the drop zone at Sky Lake Tahoe and living in a tent for like two and a half years. <clears throat> I had to go ski in the winter, like November till April. But then I'm right back into my tent out of the drop zone. And uh, Jeff Provenzano, Amy Shemalecki, they're doing the exact same thing I'm doing. They they moved from New York to live in a tent at the drop zone to just get their skydive on. And they were brand new. And I was brand new. And we were just like losing our minds. And uh, oh my gosh, yeah. Just just kicking off into the sport that just, um, it really wakes you up. I mean, not just like, like awakes up your mind and your, you know, squeeze your kidneys and give you that adrenaline shot. But for me, it kind of wakes up my soul. It's like, it kind of saved me a little bit. Cause I was, I was drinking quite a bit, you know, right out of college and like into the ski area there. But by going skydiving, you wait until the end of the day, <laughs> until you're done jumping and then have a few beers with your friends and talk about what went down that whole day. And, uh, then you save that money from drinking and you use that to buy more gear. And then you're on trips and then just the, uh, the level of fun accelerated, but skydiving basically saved my soul. It just like, it just <laughs> elevated it to the next level. And I just get so fired up. And McConkie used to say, dude, you're, you got so much energy. You're so fired up. I'm all, that's because I'm super stoked right now. And I can't even tell you how happy I am in life in general, skydiving out of airplanes and free falling towards the earth and flying our bodies in different ways and learning how to like swim in the air and uh, and free flying was just starting to happen the free fly revolution was going off you know alaska john you know and charles those guys just learned from olaf and uh, and omar and they're just you know alaska john's he's like what is it called the re-evolution of skydiving let's go and so we thought we were shaping the whole everything you know and uh yeah it was it was amazing times and then getting into base jumping from there too just elevated it. It kind of helped it up my skydive game and my skydiving up my base jump game. They, those two sports, you know, they're both parachute sports and, uh, 
they're just one's a little bit lower and faster than the other and the other ones you go higher up and you have more time to relax and chill in the air and you can practice different tricks so that you can get your base jumping game to accelerate while your base jumping game is also helping promote your skydiving game does that make sense like my packing became really quick and clean after I started base jumping. <laughs> a little bit messy before base jumping, and then you're packing every pack job is like a reserve pack job. So my skydiving pack job is just really uh, tightened up, if you will. Yo, a quick break here to address the drop zone owners listening to the pod. If you're a DZO, then you know the insanity of taking your passion and making it your business. Mm, why'd you do that? Running a DZ is hard. Between the stressors of liability, 30-day payment terms on fuel after four weeks of miserable weather, and angry staff who are convinced they've been skipped in the rotation, you need a tool that helps reduce your stress. Enter Burble Software. Conceived by a DZO who's been in the trenches just like you, Burble is the most sophisticated manifest and booking software on the planet. Your life as a DZO is hard enough. So don't be that DZO who tries to save a few bucks using software that wasn't built for us. Burble, the must-have drop zone management software for the 182DZ to the multi-turbine monster. Burble. Am I correct in saying you have more base jumps than anybody in history? You know, no, you're not. You're, no. You were a couple of years ago, but there's a guy out here that lives in Twin Falls who doesn't have children <laughs> and he just spends more time at the bridge than I do lately. And he surpassed me by a ways now. And uh, there's a guy, Sean Chuma, he's sitting on, um, he's almost 8,000. I, I just hit 7,000 base jumps. And uh, I, I thought I was gonna retire at 5,000, you know, call it good, um, thank my lucky stars and, and maybe go scuba dive with sharks or do something chase lightning storms i don't know but uh <laughs> what's next right but uh, i don't think i'll ever give up this sport i love it so much and and with the way wingsuit openings work you can wingsuit base jump i think well into your 90s it's pretty chill on the body <laughs> <laughs> for anyone else i would say not possible for you completely doable um, you got over six thousand base jumps but yeah. what was ba that first jump like? Like, oh were goodness. you scared to death? And oh, yeah. where, where was this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It was pretty fun. I was with uh, Dave Potts, and um, and I took Donna Reed, hooked me up with a, with a parachute. And Frank said I was a little bit too sketchy. You know, it was too soon for me to start base jumping. I'll probably go out and kill myself. And, you know, want to have longevity in the sport. Don't go out right now. And I ended up... Um, I'm ready. And I, you know, hooked up with uh, Donna Reed, got a parachute and um, the gravity girls parachute. It was pink. We were jumping Auburn and I'm with diving Dave and Jay Waller. And uh, we go down to the bottom of Auburn to the steel. And of course I want to go first. I was always like, get out of my way, you know, skiing, uh, bungee jumping. I was always like, Hey, miles, kick off something cool. Do some flips. Okay. You know? And, uh, but for my base jump, first one, I'm going hand deploy. So I've got my pilot chute, you know, folded up into my hand. And I think I'm going to jump out. I go, I'm going to jump out, grab my ankles, do a flying squirrel, woo, throw my pilot chute, bang, open up, you know. And uh, I climb over the rail and I just start looking around, looking at the landing area. 
And all I can think of in my head is, you could die, you could die, you could die, you could die. It gets louder and louder. And all of a sudden, I get really dizzy. And now I'm dizzy, mm-hmm. and I'm over the railing, and I'm like, oh, boy, I better climb back over. So I climb back over to the catwalk, and as soon as I finished the last step getting onto the catwalk, I relaxed, and I went, <sighs> I had quit breathing. So I was holding my breath the whole time over there, thinking to myself, you could die, you could die, you could die, and started getting really dizzy because I was holding my breath. So I climb back over, catch my breath. My friends were like, hey, man, are you okay? You know, you want me to go first? No, 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 I got this, I got this, out of the way. You know, and, uh, and I climb back over and I go, come on, Dasher, you got this. And, and inside I'm thinking, you've got so many bungee jump exits, you know, this is, you just stick a nice bungee exit. Like, so in my mind, I'm thinking, come on, bungee, bungee, bungee. And a bungee exit and a base exit are a little bit different Whereas the bungee exits, you get flat and then go head down, which is exactly what I did. And I, uh, I got off doing a sick bungee exit with my pilot sheet in my hand, dive over the bars. I'm going straight head down. And I'm like, at, at one and a half seconds, pitch the pilot shoot, thinking I'm going to take a three-second delay. But now I'm going over the bars. I'm like, save yourself. Throw the baby pilot shoot out, you know, and go get the mama. And the bridle and the pilot and the the bridle and the parachute come off my back and hit my feet on the way up because I'm just straight into a head down. And um, and I'm just glad I could feel stuff coming off my back. You know, I hear the Velcro go because it's Velcro closed containers back then, you know. Hear the Velcro go, feel the parachute hit me in my feet, and I opened up and it hurt a little bit because I'm straight head down. And wham, feet come way up and kick the lines. And then I'm swinging back into the harness and I'm looking at my toggles, and I swear I heard carnival music right then. I know there was no music, but that's what I was hearing in my head, and it was circus, afro circus, afro circus, afro polka polka polka. I'm all clearing the brakes. Woohoo! Let's fly this thing. Did a practice flare and started heading into land. And landings weren't my strong suit back then. Like. I was not the best canopy pilot at the beginning. I was like, let's flare early to see what happens. You know, like here's a 30 foot stall and just drop out of the sky. And Hey, that was a sick PLF. Next time flare a little lower. You don't have to do that. You know, it was kind of like that for, I was, I was experimental in skydiving, but when it came to this base jump, I nailed the flare. Perfect. Whoop, got the full stall ran it out was like yeah oh my god this is so sick let's get out of here it's illegal and that's what i didn't appreciate about base jumping is when i was learning how to jump we didn't have permission to go anywhere we were you know in the middle of the night which my vision was not good before i started wearing glasses you know i was supposed to wear glasses but i never wore them because they didn't look cool but as i started skydiving wearing glasses, I could see everything and all of a sudden everything got easier, especially skiing, you know, where you can see where you're going. That first jump was just um, absolutely amazing. In uh, June in 1997, it was two years after I started skydiving and I had um, 86 jumps and went right off the, off the bridge and showed Gambler, you know, hey man, I just went and made a base jump. He goes, okay. Now that you're ready to start training, I'll take you on. And he did, and he uh, started teaching me how to pack. And and I, I did ground crew for him for like a year and a half before I started base jumping too. So it was more like the mentorship program where you know you you are the uh, 
associate or the scribe squire of the guy who's got all the knowledge who's going to give you the knowledge but you've got to earn it by working for him for a while so that's pretty much how it worked for me and uh and i just really enjoyed you know ground crewing the guys and and uh watching them pack and then okay yeah that's cool but you know frank did it like this and i'm like oh yeah i gotta clean that up and so uh yeah it was it was a long it took me a while to start getting into the sport of base jumping and then once i bought a rig then it just kind of took off from there and unfortunately right when um I started taking off in the sport is when Frank um, had a bad, had a really bad day in Yosemite. He had jumped off of the uh, west face of El Cap and first person to do that. And when he landed, the Rangers had staked out the um, landing area and were waiting for him down below because it's illegal in Yosemite um, aerial delivery. And he cut away his parachute and ran from them and tried to run across the Merced River because that was kind of a, a way to get away, I guess, because rangers don't want to jump in the river and chase you across water. But 1999 was a really big snow year, and um, the Merced River was super swollen. It was it was after an 11-year drought, and um, normally you could just walk across the river. And this day when Frank tried to run across it, it swept him down, and he went into a Class 4 hole and didn't they couldn't recover his body for weeks. He drowned in the river in Merced, Merced River in Yosemite. And <clears throat> that was my base jumping teacher. And I thought, well, this is pretty much over, you know. And that's when Shane McConkey and I got together and started talking about, you know, telling Frank stories at the memorial service and that kind of thing. And more and more stories were broken down, hanging out. And, well, yeah, he was teaching me how to base jump. What? He was teaching me how to base jump, too. And then, well, he taught me this, he taught me this, and oh, dude, yeah, yeah. And you know what that means? That means this, this, and this, you know? And then and then that's when Shane and I just started figuring out how to teach each other. <laughs> With like the blind leading the blind, you know? Watching videos, asking questions to our other friends who are base jumpers, you know? And um, But most importantly, we were videoing everything that we did so that we could analyze it and go, hey, let's debrief that jump and figure out how we can do it better so that we will never die in this sport. So yeah, we just, uh, we just videoed it and, and we kind of taught ourselves and learned a lot along the way from other people. But, uh, it was Frank that got Shane and I started on, on the base jumping side of things and skydiving as well. Instead of training with Frank, learn how to sit fly and, and get head down and, then I was hanging out with Dive and Dave and Alaska John and Charles, Brian and Mike Vale and, and the team. And then Jeff Provenzano and I started our own team with uh, Steve Blinko. We started the Tahoe Dust Devils and we went and competed in nationals in 2001 and went from hanging out at a small drop zone to Eloy, Arizona. And oh my goodness, that was awakening for me. Like, wow, this is huge drop zone. <laughs> tons of airplanes just lapping 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 parachutes in the air all day i'm used to getting on a king air or a caravan and doing laps but um not like with with otters running constantly all day backing each other up and and uh yeah it was just an amazing uh, change to see to go to a giant drop zone after you know living in a tent at a at a smaller you know cessna and king air drop zone to it's nice there living in a tent at a larger drop zone, right? Yeah. A restaurant and a bar. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, 
let me pause you there for a moment. Sure. Um, when I had the privilege of interviewing you at PIA earlier this year in Reno, and then you mentioned Shane McConkey's name, you've mentioned him several times. Mm-hmm. I don't think like newer jumpers in the sport know who that is. Yeah, you got to watch that I, movie I, McConkey to find out who he. Shane was. It is the most extraordinary document. Is that on Amazon or? Yeah, it was on Netflix. I'm not sure where it is now, where it lives, but you can still see. I I bet Google it and then bang, it's going to be somewhere. You know, here, I'll Google it right now. I'll put it in the show notes for anyone that's interested. But can you just share a little bit about who he was and his incredible achievements? Yeah. When I met Shane, he was this long haired goofball who I got in a car with and went bungee jumping. And my friend Mark Broderick and I jump in this car with him and Kent Kreitler, and they just moved from Colorado up to Tahoe to Squaw Valley to ski. They were pro skiers. And I just thought they were just goofballs, man, because their sense of humor was just uncanny. It was hilarious, but it was just like like Beavis and Butthead style, you know, like super dumb. And it was just, it, by being that dumb, it was even more funny. And uh, so we kind of hit it off and clicked pretty right off the get-go. But it wasn't until we started um, skydiving together when is when we started really hanging out. And, uh, yeah, he's a pro skier who um, almost made the U.S. team. They said he was too small and not strong enough, this and that. When I watched him race, he always won. You know, and and he turned it into like the film side of things, working with Matchstick Productions. Um, yeah, check out Matchstick Productions. They've got endless footage of Shane McConkey. You know, he did a movie called Something About McConkey, and he said to me while we were skydiving and we started learning how to base jump together. He's like, "Hey, um, I'm trying to get music for this." for this movie that I'm making, but it's really expensive to, you know, buy music. I'm all, I'll write you a song, dude. He's like, really? You write a song? I'm like, yeah, I wrote a song for you. I wrote a song called Living the Dream Falling. And that is just in my hard drive. I need to get that out somehow, somewhere, Spotify or something. But it's called... Do Liv- you still remember the lyrics? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's recorded. It's in the movie. I've, I've, I've seen it all the time, but it's like... Living the dream, living the dream, falling. Some people scream, but we be yes, y'all in. Living the dream, living the dream, falling. Looking, you see my destiny's calling. And it's, uh, yeah, it's it's all about skydiving. And uh, it's, uh, I'll get it out there. We'll, we'll we'll tie it into this. How's that? So you can like download it because it's, a, it's be a pretty great. cool song. And, uh, but I wrote it in a day. We went and recorded it that afternoon. I wrote it in the morning, we recorded it in the afternoon, and it went into his movie, and he gave me my own segment in a movie about him. <laughs> Put a Miles Dasher segment in a Shane McConkie movie. I was, I was super honored. And uh, yeah, and Shane, he was you know the Red Bull skier guy, and Charles and Mike Vale um, were the, and Alaska John were the Red Bull skydiver guys. And I just got tied in to the right place at the right time, the right people. And Frank and Bali was the Red Bull base jumper guy. And then just kind of met everybody at the right time when things were kicking off. And, and then I kind of became, uh, kind of jumped into kind of gambler slot after he passed for base jumping. And it started out, I was ground crew guy for the team at the drop zone. And uh, it was just the skydive uh, Lake Tahoe team like hey we're gonna go jump into the fourth of july to donner lake and uh we need ground crew because you have to have that 
And uh, would anyone like to do that? I'm like, I'll do it. I'll hang out with you guys. That'd be awesome. You know, I was always like, these guys are my heroes, you know, watching the Chronicles, <laughs> you know, the free fly clowns. And uh, one, two, and three, we just always watch those before we go skydiving. And then you get to the drop zone. I'm like, let's do one of these tricks that we just watch on the video, you know? And so I'm like, yeah, I'll ground crew for you. And next thing you know, we're at Donner Lake and, and uh, you show the guys, okay, this is the water, your land and water. Um, it's going to be knee deep. So you could do whatever you want. Try to keep your container dry. Your canopy is going to get wet. That's cool. But there's too many people everywhere else, but you can land on the water. I'll clear the beach. I'll get the kids out of the water for you just before you go. And, um, yeah, after we land, we'll go throw the stuff in the shade here and hang out for a while. Right. They're all, yeah, we want to watch the fireworks. I'm all, okay, cool. So I drop them off at the airport, come back and talk to you know the food vendors hey i got some scott average coming in and i'll send them over here we'll, we'll hook them up for free food and, and the beer guys i'm all hey the scott average are coming in they're going to want beers when they land they're all here take these and tell them to come over for free beer i'm all sweet my man and so i had beers waiting for them and they come in they get ready they, to jump i clear the clear the water get all the kids out hey guys you guys mind coming out of the water we got scott average coming in it's gonna be hot it's gonna be awesome they're gonna come in faster than a speeding ticket and the three of them come in, swooping it in, just dragging toes, doing Superman, you know. And then uh, they keep their reserves dry, but their canopies are all wet. And I'm all, all right, good job, guys. Come on over here, throw your stuff down. Here's some beers. They're like, yeah, good job, Miles. Best ground crew ever, you know. And then I go, these guys want to feed you. And they go over and eat. I lay out their wings. I dry everything off. And once their lines are dry, I packed all their rigs for them, threw them in the car. We watched the fireworks. I drive everybody home, and they're all, oh, okay, let's grab our rig. we got to pack that for tomorrow morning because we got an early load. I'm all, you're packed, dude. Do you want me to just bring the rig to the drop zone and meet you there? And they're like, best ground crew ever. So I just did ground crew for you know Charles and Mike and John. And then after a while, they're like, hey, we need another jumper. Miles, you can do this. And I started jumping with them. And, and next thing you know, uh, we started forming a team, Red Bull Air Force, and you know, doing demos and, um, here we are still rocking it. You know, I've been doing demos for 20 years now, like living the dream. I didn't realize that you, that was the start of Red Bull Air Force. Yeah. It was, it was Sky of Lake Tahoe. It was, it was John and Charles and Mike. Yeah. And, uh, and Shane got to do a bunch of demos and, uh, Shane and I got on those cause we had base jumping canopies and, um, uh, we would, we would start out doing on base canopies. And then the next thing you know, we got, Spectre 120s, and we're swooping in on the, uh, actually, we got Stiletto 120s. <laughs> so uh, you you make it sound like, and maybe it was easier than it is now, but it's like, hey, we're no, going to we be created the Red that. Bull Air Force. You, but you got to pitch it, right? Like, they got to say, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll sponsor this. They have to sign off on it. And we were doing, like, the first year for free. Like, the first year and a half, we didn't get paid anything. They just covered our airfare. They covered all the, the expenses, that kind of thing. And yeah, I got, hey, we want you to jump out of paragliders with your base rig. I'm like, okay. And next thing you know, I'm on a flight to, um, I'm on, well, really what happened was uh, when Shane pitched a project for base jumping up in um, Baffin Island, that's when uh, Rebel guys got all together and said, hey, who's going to go on this trip? You know, it's going to be half a million to send these guys to the Arctic, you know, and, and to go rally off all these, you know, gnarly cliffs in the Arctic circle, you know, 4,000, 5,000 foot cliffs and, uh, totally risking their lives in the, just for the cold and the environment and that kind of thing. 
And okay, Shane's list says Felix Baumgartner's on the list. Yeah, Red Bull athlete. There you go. Charles Bryan, uh, Red Bull skydiver. There you go. Uh, Mike Vale, Red Bull skydiver. There you go. Um, Shane McConkey, Red Bull skier. There you go. And Miles D. Who the hell is Miles D? And a couple friends of mine spoke up in the meeting who I had been hanging out with, and they had heard my song Living the Dream Falling and seen some of my swoops and some of the just like running around all blah, you know, like all fired up to get fired up. And uh, I worked up in the wintertime at Points North Heli Adventures fueling helicopters, and they had the Red Bull Snow Thrill of Alaska up there where a bunch of uh, extreme skiers came up and started sending it big mountain style. And I was kind of the go-to guy for uh, when you get back, what do you guys need? Come on in. Here's dinner. Here's beers. I'm going to go start the sauna over there and start a fire and it'll make this really hot sauna. And then, and uh, down the activity director and, but Bob Unvert um, LBU long Bob Unvert. He, uh, he is the film producer that was uh, ocean watch that Red Bull used and he and I hit it off because we both went to Chico State, you know, graduated the same college. And uh, I, I would bring them food and beer while they were editing. And they're all, Miles is our favorite, you know. And then next thing you know, he's speaking for me in the meeting. And uh, Paul Crandall, who I went mountain biking with after, through Uncle E, Chris Ernst, who announces the Olympics now. He started Border Cross and Skier Cross. And Red Bull was the title sponsor for that. And it was called... Um, is called the Lord of the Boards. And actually, Chris didn't start that. I started that. No, Chris conceptualized it and, then, and invented it. But I was the starter who went 10 seconds and dropped the gate. You know? <laughs> but yeah, working through different people and knowing different uh, you know, skier sides of things and Scott Aver sides of things and base jumper sides of things. Next thing you know, I went to Baffin Island with Shane and Charles and Felix Baumgartner and, and, uh, and Mike Vale. And when I got back, um, it was the year after, uh, Frank and Bali passed. They said, Hey, we want you to take Frank's place and jump from these paragliders and do the stuff. And here's a helmet, here's a rig. And I'm like, Oh my God. And my friends like, you know what this means? Well, like, yeah. Free trip to go base jumping. Woo. <laughs> And then it evolved from there, you know, doing ground crew for the boys. And then, then like, Hey, you're going to need, can you jump this 120? I'm all, yep. Can you jump it into this lake? Yep. Okay. Game on. Do a couple practice jumps. Show us your stuff, your stuff. And I'm like, okay, all right, you're cool for the lake. Let's go. And, uh, then I'm on the, you know, started doing the demos with the guys. And, uh, and now we're doing like 56 shows a year as a team. And, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a busy time in the skydiving world. Where was the threshold of you being like the Red Bull Air Force is this, it's this new thing and you guys are doing it for free, you know, on their dime, I guess, but not getting salaries, I suppose. Yeah. When does it shift? Like, what was it where Red Bull corporate goes, we need to take care of these guys. Like they're bringing us the attention yeah, yeah. as intended, you know, like. It was when I moved to here to Twin Falls and started teaching base jumping in 2004. It was like, okay. Uh, I mean, we would get paid a little bit like, oh, look, you got this media thing and here's a bonus, you know, good job, you know, and that was awesome. And then, uh, yeah, then I uh, signed a contract, like the first signed contract, you know, in 2004. And uh, yeah, just been um, rocking it since. Is that kind of wild, Miles? Like all yeah. you've ever done is sort of chase your heart, right? Like I'm just, yeah. you're just chasing my passion. Still am. And then. 
and still am. <laughs> yeah. But you, it's it's sort of like, was it like a pinch me? Like, oh, mm-hmm. you're gonna pay, you're gonna pay me for this? Yeah. Well, it was kind of like I had to send out an ultimatum. Well, it wasn't even an ultimatum. I said, hey, appreciate everything. That was awesome. I'm gonna, get, I got a family now. I'm about to go get this full time job. And I just called up and said, hey, uh, I got to get this job. I got a family and this and that. And he goes well, what's your contract say? I'm like, what are you talking about? Because I've never had an athlete manager and most <laughs> rebel athletes have an athlete manager. And yeah, they're like, oh, you don't you don't even have one. Oh, okay. Well, let's make this your contract. I'm like, oh, okay. Then I can keep, like, that'll keep me busy, but like, I'll still need to do other a few other things. You know, they're like, yeah, no problem. We're going to have these jobs and that kind of thing. And then it's kind of be, you know, progress and evolve from there. And that the thing back in the day then was, uh, Shane and I were getting, we were putting together like a TV show pilot for the Discovery Channel and that kind of thing. And and uh, we we had a whole series, television series sold. And here one day, gone the next, you know? And, and uh, yeah, it was, uh, we were kind of, we had all kinds of irons in the fire and just things were just blowing up all over. And it never went super big, but I've always kept it small fire, medium, large style, <laughs> you know? More web style based um things than than tv show style thing i've done um quite a few tv shows working on a few commercials and that kind of thing and uh just uh, a couple years ago right before um, tom cruise jumped off of a cliff with a motorcycle for dead reckoning um yeah i worked with with tom so yeah we've been we've been uh kind of led gifted and and uh, blessed lives you know and and yeah hanging out with tom cruise was um absolutely amazing doing the old uh okay let's get you ready to ride a motorcycle off a cliff with a base rig packed in a skydiving container (laughs) you know so you have a backup still even though it's you're gonna have to be on your a game to use that you know but this parachute's gonna totally work for you and 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 tom pulled it off seven out of seven times perfect on heading openings perfect body position every jump was like flawless whether there was a camera on the bike or a drone chasing him or a helicopter chasing him or nothing chasing him, he did everything perfect every time and acted. And it was just amazing to be able to hang out with that kind of talent. But, to, you know, John DeVore and I um, were able to help coach him. And it was just, I can't even tell you. It was like, like I've always wanted to be a stuntman and, you know, do the Hollywood thing. And here we are living the dream and, box ticked you know what i mean it's it's like yeah everything that we've been dreaming about as we we're kids we're slowly getting to the end of that list so now we need to start recreating things and what are we gonna do you know i saw i saw the behind the scenes clip to help promote the movie yeah and i saw you and, and john devore whenever i hear anyone like craig o'brien talk about working with tom like he is this incredible machine who is such a professional and always on like there's so much going on in terms of his time management oh yeah like is, is this guy just like on an uh, another level like what's he like like what i mean he's busy. probably gonna say he's, he's a jerk busy. yeah, yeah. <laughs> driven <laughs> focused intelligent he's you know he's always trying to like okay um we got this we got this we got this we got this we got the, we got to knock these out this is our this is our day and he's got it all boom written out you know and we go okay here's what we've got planned and uh, he's like, okay. I have I'll have one until this time, or let's get busy. Let's talk about this and let's go. And uh, and we just tried to make things very efficient 
for him so that when he would land, come running over, he ran everywhere. He doesn't like walk. If he does walk, he walks with purpose. You know, he's like not just strolling along through life. He's got to get somewhere and do something, you know, and always like from the time he meets us to like, okay, guys, thanks for today. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. He thanks everybody. You know, he doesn't leave anybody out. He's very, he's such a thoughtful person, you know, but very driven. And he's like, okay, got to go. I'm just jogging over to the helicopter, back to the studio and, and getting ready to, I don't know, do everything else that he does, you know? But when we saw him every time we were together, he's just on, just switched on and focused and, and, and very kind too, you know, like, yeah, he got fired up at sometimes, but that's because it, there are times when you need to get fired up when things are starting to not stay like in line with where we need to go. Cause you know, trying to make a, make a um, Hollywood movie is not an easy task. You know, it's like, you got to rein in lots of cats, you know, and like, okay, we got so many moving parts, you know, and he was very focused and able to do so. Um, he knows how to make movies. <laughs> he does. Yeah. So miles, if I were, if you toss me your iPhone yeah. and I'm, and I'm scrolling through your contact list, who's the most famous person in that contact list? Me. Go, no, I'm Whoa. just kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't have him on speed dial. So yeah, that he would be the most famous person for sure. You know, I didn't, didn't <laughs> I don't have that, but most famous person. I, I don't really know. Um, a lot of my friends are famous. Um, yep. I've got like quite a few famous people, you know, I, I, I couldn't pinpoint just one really. That's, that's a tough question. <laughs> one of my favorite shows, skydiving or base jumping that <clears throat> I loved was miles above. Thank you. Yes. Me too. Me too. Loved it. And what was that? Two, maybe three seasons. Yeah. We did three and seasons. Yeah. Eight, three seasons, 10 episodes, first one, eight episodes, and then six episodes. Yeah. Yeah. It has left, it has left me wanting yes. more. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me how that happens for those, for those of you that are listening and not familiar with this, it was really a web series. I think it was on the Red Bull, uh, Red Bull's website was really the only place the I think you could com, watch it. Yeah. And it was great. I was I, I knew the episodes came out I think weekly and I was always mm-hmm. like, Yep. No monthly miles above. Yeah, it was monthly. Yeah, okay. monthly, yeah. I was I knew I was always looking for it. So for those of you that haven't seen it, you need to go watch it. How did that come together? And then how did you figure out like, all right, I, I you gotta create content. Yeah. You know, now now it's yeah. on. So it's, how did you work all that out? <laughs> it's pretty funny because uh it all started where I met this guy named Charlie and uh, we were at a flute talk down in, in Florida. When we went and scouted it, I'm like, Whoa, look at these buildings here. They're huge. I got to bring my base rig Cause I'm going to jump off them, you know, for fun, but I'm not going to do it before my job. Cause I don't want to get in trouble and not be able to perform, you know? So I go do my jump um, onto the flute talk barge. And then I go scout the building out. And like, as soon as I got there, I scouted the building and I was like, Oh, no brainer. Open that door, open this door. You're on the roof, go jump. And so I put my stuff away and just like, stay there. Don't think about this. Don't think about this. Do the jump, do the jump. And then after the jump, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm really thinking I'm okay. I want to jump this thing. After I did my job, um, the skydive job, I'm getting ready to go do some extracurricular base jumping before we go to the big, um, flute dog party that they have at this, uh, um, bar a few blocks down. And, I'm nervous because if I get in trouble, my wife, Nikki, says, 
don't call me if you get busted base jumping illegally. You know, you're on your own for that. I'm like, okay. And uh, I just talked to some dudes who were like, oh, dude, we got your back. We'll bail you out if you get arrested. I'm like, can I get your number then? And uh, okay, here we go. I'm going for it. Uncle E, Chris Ernst was down in the lobby. And Luke Akins, he was uh, out front with the friends like they're going to watch it out front. And I climb up on the roof and I get my gear on and I get ready. And I call down to Luke. I'm all, hey, man, there's a cop sitting right next to you, bro. And he's all, yeah, he's not even looking, man. And if he does look, I'll, I'll, you know, get naked and run around and cause a diversion for you. I'm like, sweet. Thanks, bro. You know? <laughs> so I jump. He doesn't notice. Land. Walk out, you know. And I, I, I stashed a beer because I bought like two buckets of beer, but I didn't drink any before I went jumping. But I put one right where – I was going to walk out because it's part of my cover. You know, you walk out of the stairs, crack a beer. I'm just walking, drinking a beer, you know, chilling. Um, what? Hey, I'm just a beer guy. You know, what's up? And I walk up to my room and Uncle Lee's standing there with the, with the owner of the hotel. Hey, Miles, did you just base jump? And I got my stuff sack full of gear, you know, and I just drink this beer and I go, I don't even know what you're talking about because I knew who, who was standing next to it. I'm like, dude, you can't just mess up to that, right? And so I run upstairs, put on a shirt and ran out to the party and as soon as I get to the party, this guy, Charlie um, Rosine, he's like, hey, how's it going, man? We're looking for show ideas and, and uh, web-based stuff, you know? And we wanna put together like a, a web webisode, you know? And I'm like, oh, I got one for you. And they're like, yeah, what's that? I'm all, just follow me. He's <laughs> like, what? Yeah, yeah, just follow me. We'll get into the shenanigans, dude. We'll go We'll go base jumping, we'll go skydiving, we'll go, um, We'll go kayaking, skyacking, you know, we could, uh, I could go around and just meet cool friends that are doing amazing things and, and just showcase them, you know, and, and my teammates and that kind of thing, you know, and our team is amazing and we, we do so many things and um, I could introduce everybody and just kind of be the, the mouth of the whole thing, you know, and they're like looking at each other and, and they're like, what is he talking about, you know, and right when I, right when they look at each other and start having their doubts, this girl walks over and she goes, Oh, that was an awesome jump. Do you want to see the video? I got it. I'm like, yeah. And she shows us the video of the base jump. And those guys were like, whoa, that's amazing. When did you do that? And I look at my watch and all that was 15 minutes ago, bro. <laughs> They're like, no way. I'm like, yeah. So I was like, you have permission for that? I'm like, no. And then, uh, you know, and they were like, wow. So they, their brain started ticking. And then I got a phone call later. You know, I gave them my number and got a phone call. And that's how Miles Above started. And we just started, uh, kind of laying out the script and like, okay, we're going to do skyacking. Okay. We're going to do wingsuiting. We're going to do paramotoring. We're going to, you know, and we just started laying out all the different things that we could do and who we're going to do them with and um, going to Moab with, uh, with like sketchy Andy Lewis and uh, JT Holmes and jumping off the Titan where we jug up the ropes and, you know, and um, oh man, it just turned into so much fun. And after the first season, um, they're like, that was great. Let's do it again. So we got three seasons out of it. And it kind of went away just because that budget went into different things that we're doing yeah, as a whole team. But um, I really would love to bring it back because uh, it was super fun. And it all lives. All of the Miles Above episodes are on YouTube. So if you go to YouTube and type in Miles Above, boom, there you go. You get like all of the click your favorites and go i will put them in the show notes we'll get we'll get the we'll get those counts up because it's yeah. been a few years scotty so. Mack, it was great i was sorry that i was sorry that it yeah. stopped i loved it yeah that's all right scotty mack he's uh 
he shoots football, um, pro football, NFL, uh, McLaughlin, Sky McLaughlin. He's a, he's the guy that shoots the super zoomed in shot of the football spiraling, spiraling into your fingertips all. And uh, he shot and edited all of the miles above. And uh, he's amazing. Oh, dude, we just, we'll go have a beer, start drawing it up on a napkin is what it's going to look like. Here's our outline you know and then next thing you know he's putting it together and then he's like oh we need some fill-in stuff can you do this voiceover yep 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 and we work together on that and uh and put it all together it's, but scotty mack is really the the brains behind the whole thing you know and and uh, the organizer if you will of the the show miles you've done you've done so many scott i have so many base jumps is there any one like when you sit back if you ever do and go mm, yeah that one was that was particularly cool is there something that you're you're particularly proud of, either in accomplishment or as like, damn, that that one was cool? Yeah, there's a couple, you know, like my really technical jumps that I've done are have been low jumps that have been static lines, <clears throat> and then uh, and landing in super tight areas like uh, Petra Jordan and um, into the Gaylord Hotel in uh, Baltimore, Maryland, and uh, yeah, the Baltimore, Maryland one, I had to work out. With um, I measured it, laser rangefinders, and um, and I brought a like a rolling measuring tape to find out you know how how big the the inside of this building is, and it's a, a 220 foot from top to bottom, but I had a ledge 170 feet below me. I had to open up and turn right, and then I had to fly under a glass atrium and then into a small courtyard um, through a water fountain and into the courtyard. I put together a mock up course of that building on the bridge here in Idaho. And I use ropes hanging with um, weights and flags. And I jumped it when it was, when there was no wind only uh, to get a real accurate, like a perfect mock-up of it. Like, cause it's going to be inside a building with zero wind. So um, jumping off of this bridge, I got to do it when there's no wind. And in the middle of winter, usually snowing or raining when there's no wind. And it was kind of miserable training for it, but I did 86 practice jumps to prepare myself for, you know, for the um, day of. And then when it was time to do the, to do the jump inside the building, there was no hesitation. They counted me down three, two, one, go, you know, on command, jump, open, turn, fly, flare, show the logo, slow things down, sink, let your hands up, surge through the water fountain, flare, land on the button, woo, and then pump the brakes, get the logo back behind you, get the money shot with like looking cool in front of the, you know, all the cameras, like CNN, <laughs> NBC, ABC, everybody was there, the university of New York. And, um, oh my gosh. Uh, how low is it? Uh, 220 feet from top to bottom. And, uh, whew, it was a sporty one. When you've got a real technical jump, what is your process mentally? First of all, is it possible? No, but I'm saying like when you're, when you're preparing to actually I'm get ready to do it, like you already did, you've already oh, determined yeah. that it's I know possible. it works and everything, and but I'm it's, it's setting a, that up and going. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a a gear check list that you do, just like you're putting on your rig to go skydiving. You know, I'm like, okay, check your pins, check your risers are connected, check everything, how it's going to open. And in this case, I'm I'm checking my um, static line, how I'm connecting that, and using brake cord or electric tape. And I like to rock electric tape because. Uh, that's just how we learned it. Shane and I, we, we kind of invented our own way of doing static lines for bridles. And, and it's not using the old 80 pound brake cord. 
it's electric tape that snaps. It just works. It's kind of amazing science. I get my, my <laughs> gear together. I go through my checklist. Okay, leg straps, chest strap, everything's cool. Check the winds, spit off the top, you know, watch your spit go and see what's going on with the winds. We used to throw these little parachute guys. And then when it's time to like actually do the jump, that's when I take a couple deep breaths and just hype myself up, you know, and just sometimes I'll smack my face a little bit. And like, this is when it counts right now. Better pull together, you know, because if you don't do this perfect, it's going to be bad, you know, and you, you want to hype yourself up and be ready for it. But before you get hyped, you want to make sure you are, you've looked at everything. Did I miss something? Is there a power line? Is there wind I don't know about? Is there a lightning storm coming in? You know, anything. You know, what happens if an earthquake happens right now? I think of all the craziest things too. What if a meteorite came through there? Jump now, beat it down. You know, I don't know if this, that's getting crazy, but I do think like that. <laughs> and then, yeah, then you get hyped to go. Do you ever feel self-doubt? Um, and if, if you I do, do, do feel self-doubt, I back up. I look at it again. I'm yeah. like, why? Why am I not wanting this? And if you're not just like, out of my way, I'm going for it. Ah. If you're not like that, then don't go. You know, and if I'm, if you're doubting yourself, doubting yourself, then hang on, time out. Sorry, Mr. Producer, not ready to jump on command yet. You know, but then when all things are good and like, okay, we're almost to eleven o'clock. That's when we're supposed to jump. You know what I mean? That's usually you're set on a time schedule, that kind of thing. So I just try to prepare myself in time to give myself an extra 15 minutes to just kind of keep my head clear and like, okay, 15 minutes, I'm going to send it. It's going to be this, it's going to be that, it's going to be this. And then you just get pretty much tunnel vision. You know, once you get it um, dialed in in your head and you know what you need to do perfectly, you visualize it forwards, backwards and forwards again, because you know, you visualize it, what you want to do and land there. And then if I land there, I need to fly from this point and then, turn and fly from this point to get to that point, you know, for your final turn, like that's my setup spot to hit the bullseye. Cause in this sport, you're only as good as your last landing. And if you didn't land on the bullseye, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you better get better and retrain and start over and do something else. But let's say, I mean, it's part, partly like when you're getting paid to do something, you know, whether you're, you're a tandem instructor and the wind's a little yeah. high, but, mm, you know, but... Risk mitigation, that, you know, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, if it's if it's in front of a big crowd, let's not say it's just like, you know, hey, Mr. Producer yeah. Man, but but rather like, hey, we're jumping into people, X. You know, football game. Yeah, and, and then suddenly self-doubt comes, like, yeah. do you have the wherewithal to go, nope, nope. Oh, yeah. Hold oh, on. I got no problem yeah. backing out. But um, I am a mover. Have you, have you ever backed oh, yeah. up? I've, I've walked away from lots of yeah. things, you know? Yeah. I've walked away th from things when the conditions were perfect because I wasn't just feeling it right then, you know? But um, mm -hmm. usually when we're um, pro style and we're out there ready to rock and roll, we're trying to make it happen, you know? Okay, but now that there's this. Okay, we can manage that if we do this. But now there's also this external factor. Uh-oh, there's two things. We can still manage it if we do this and this. Now there's third thing thrown in there. Oh, yep, that's done. We're out. You know, hey, let's let's put it off for an hour and see if we can regroup. And you know, yeah. You make so many jumps off the Perine mm -hmm. Bridge, right? Weekly, it seems like. Yeah, I'm, I'm one a day average, basically. One yeah. a day. Okay, I'll so leave for like a couple of weeks or something, and then come back and bang out like six in a day. That kind of deal. Last week, or well, let me back up. This is not a very technical jump for you. You do it so yeah. much. 
Is there any level of complacency that sinks in because you have done this so much? And here's the reason why I'm asking is I saw a video of you last week. Hey, I'm not a base jumper. I've watched a lot of base on TV and you made a jump last week. I think it was last week on, on social where it looked dirty. It low. was low. And it was low. You tur- yeah. It's like you did one right turn and you landed in yeah. the water. Yeah. And I'm like, did he do that on purpose? Was that not on purpose? Did he land and go, oh, damn, I took that too low. I knew it was low. I knew it was going to be low to begin with because I had packed for that low opening. You know, <clears throat> I still use a 42 inch pilot shoot, but I had a slider up back job with a roll nose with, um, a break on the slider, like a piece of um, zero P fabric in the center of the slider. And so like, I knew I was going to be low and I set it up where I could do that so that I could do extra tricks. You know what I mean? And as I'm throwing my tricks, I usually do a front flip, full twist, then a front flip, half twist, and then a back flip and pull. And as I'm into it, I'm like, dude, these are going smooth. This is going awesome. Throw another flip on there because I've always wanted to and I've been thinking about it. But it wasn't until I was in the moment thinking on my feet where I throw another one. So I did four flips instead of three. And on that fourth flip, I came around. And as I'm flipping, spinning, and I'm into my first flip, I look out the side doors and I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got the height, you know. So I throw another one and I pull. And then I'm watching my shadow of the lines going and the slider coming down and i'm like well may not make the beach because my plan was to make a full 180 and hit the beach but um i knew i had enough um to open but before i jumped off i moved myself out over the water so that i could do that 180 and hit the beach perfectly which worked out perfectly for the just 90 and going into the water if i if i had turned a like a second earlier like if i had one extra second, I would have stood it up on the land, but I was out over the water and I kind of put myself there just so that I can totally get rad and not have to worry about the landing as much so I could worry more about the aerials. So yeah, that was a sporty one, dude. I totally thoroughly enjoyed that. I've been practicing tricks off helicopters um, at air shows, like just uh, the day before yesterday, or no, yesterday, yeah, throwing backflip, full twist, and then backflip, backflip. And then um, opening up, and then I go to the bridge, and then I'll practice it off the bridge here. So, so when you go to a demo, how does it work? Like, are you are you sending all your footage to an editor, and they're putting it together for socials? Or are you doing all that yourself? Because it seems like the output is a lot. Yeah, I'm doing it myself. But like every once in a while, like I get a call, like, "Dude, that footage is sick. Can you send it to here?" You know. And that's pretty much how it rolls, you know? Do you have some kind of systematic cataloging of all your jumps through all these years? I've got them on a hard drive and I make an A-list file and a B-list and then the rest just kind of go into dates and times and what they are. So yeah, Shane taught me how to catalog those. It's a lot of work watching all that footage and cataloging it. That's what takes more time than anything really is keeping track of all that footage. What I need is an intern, (laughs) somebody who wants to get an A in movie producing, you know, or video editing. And, um, and, uh, is not really looking for money yet, but is willing to put in the miles to, um, get things going really well, that it's a sought after thing and then turn that into a job. As a Red Bull athlete, are you required to do some kind of, you know, sort of continuous education and social and, and, 
you know, how to get all your stuff out there because you're repping the brand, right? They want it to be seen. Yeah, no, that's just something I want to do myself. You know what I mean? I want to promote this sport and, uh, I'd like to create, um, I got some ideas, some irons in the fire about training videos, how to make cooler training videos that will capture your attention and they're fun to watch, but you learn from. And I think that's the kind of key is to get some knowledge out of it. So it's not just something fun to watch and go, Oh, that was cute. You know, neat far out. Um, it'd be better to go. That was awesome. And I learned from that and I'm going to, that's going to help me become a better person. So I don't want to get into the, to the nitty gritty of contracts with, with Red Bull. Cause I'm sure they probably don't want you talking about that, but what's the expectation from you? You know, it's like you're repping this huge brand. What are you on the hook for? You know, I mean, it, it depends. Like there's different sports that like there's skateboarders, there's jet skiers, you know, there's skydivers, race car drivers, you know, F1 drivers. There's, there's so many Red Bull, you know, gets behind so many athletes in so many ways. And I can't say that I know what it is. The expectations are for everybody, but I know if you get on a podium, boom, bonus, you know, and if you, you know, win the Olympics bonus, you know, that kind of thing. I don't even know if that's even, uh, legit right if you win the olympics and then get paid i don't even know how that works i just made that up but uh <laughs> but yeah no i mean um for uh, me as a person like me it's um they love it when you get so many um eyes on your um social media which makes me start to get into it more so like okay posting on a consistent time and so opposed to like whenever i feel like it i've kind of fallen back into whenever i feel like it right now that's because I'm so busy with doing other projects and this kind of thing. But, uh, but yeah, there is a me- method to the madness and they help train us as well with it. You know, we've gotten people from um, GoPro come out and help us with like, Hey, how, how to edit all this footage faster and more efficiently and how to get it out there. And here's some key words to use while getting it out there and learning the algorithms. Oh my gosh, the old algorithms. I don't even know. <laughs> I just think if you say that five times really fast, it helps. Because, you know, somebody's always listening. What is the most viral video you've had? I think 7 million, something in there. Not bad there, Miles. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Beyond Marketing, the digital marketing agency for the skydiving industry. As avid podcast consumers ourselves, we're not fans of ads during a podcast. So we'll spare you the details about why we love building websites and helping businesses show up in Google search results. But just know this. We're passionate about the skydiving industry and how it markets itself. Look us up at dropzone.marketing. Again, that's dropzone.marketing. After you get like all this adrenaline jumping into 80,000 people and... You run about a quarter mile and you high five everybody that's up against the fence watching. That's a good way to decompress. And then you go pack your parachute and chill. You know, go find yourself a nice shade spot and then pack your parachute. And when I'm packing afterwards, I am thinking about what just happened, kind of debriefing in my own mind. And then uh, go get some food and talk about it with friends, you know? <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like exhausted at the end of your day? Sometimes. It depends how hot it is. You know, we were just in Kansas City and <laughs> oh my gosh, it was like a buck oh six right there. You know, at the end of the jump day that we did, we took care of ourselves, you know, we hydrated and the whole thing. We went to the roller coasters and rode roller coasters for like six hours after that. But after that, oh my gosh, 
standing in line for roller coasters. Actually, there were no lines, but um, in the heat, 106 degrees, and you know, not in the shade. I was a little bit tired after that, but just swallowing water like it was air. You know, mm. you got to stay hydrated when you're doing this sports because, like, if once you get dehydrated, the first thing to go is your depth perception, and that's kind of huge in this sport because, like, that's when you got to. When do I get into yank down time? And you know, how do I flare this to be perfectly hovering and then hit the bullseye? You know, so yeah, you want to take care of your body and yourself. You want to make sure you eat. Make sure you drink water. Make sure you're probably rested. And sometimes you're missing one or two or sometimes three of those things and you're still performing. But, yeah, you try to take care of yourself as best as possible. If if, you, if there's a young base jumper out there or skydiver that look at you go, man, you have incredible longevity, right? And, and so many of our friends we've lost. Yeah. What makes you so special? Why, why are you still doing your thing yeah, you know, that's just from the beta that I got as a kid and growing up. My dad was a fighter pilot. And he told me never paint yourself into a corner. Always give yourself an out. So the, even that low pole that I did off the bridge, um, you know, a week ago was um, or less than a week ago. It looked gnarly. I knew I had extra buffer, you know, and when you start using that extra buffer, that's when you need to back up and say, "Whoa, I'm pushing too hard. I need to back off. I need to go chill retrace my steps from the beginning to get to where I want to be. You know, you don't just go out there and start just full send and look at my million views on that. I just saved my own life. Barely. No, you want to be able to pull it off with a buffer with margin for error. I think the biggest thing though, is to be fit is to take care of your body. And, uh, yeah, I was a wrestler and runner and, um, that just helped me out so much in life just to be strong physically i train for power because in this sport endurance is good strength is good but power is what's needed in sky sports and um power is just explosiveness so yeah you want to just practice like jump jump plyometric training that kind of thing so what does that look like how how much are you doing that a week um three four days a week you know i i do it all the time i, I make it more of a lifestyle thing than like okay Set here, go there. I'll go to the bridge and hike. And then some days I'll be out. Okay, this is going to be a speed hiking day. You know, I feel great. I'm going to run out of this canyon as fast as I can. I won't be able to talk. I'm going anaerobic, you know, but I'm going to get out of there quick. And and that hurts. And then you have to recoup from that. You know, you do two or three of those and that's you're going to feel it the next day. But um, I don't do that every day. I'll do that maybe once every two weeks. When I just speed hike out of the canyon. But the big thing is to just always constantly keep it moving, you know, keep, keep going. Don't stop. Push, push a little bit. Miles, how old are you now? How old am I? Oh, 54. Just, I'm just 54. I mean, look, <laughs> I would, you are the youngest 54 I know, right? <laughs> so, you. you know, and I, I, I identify as 30. <laughs> I, I, I see you as 30. <laughs> Maybe 28. Yeah. <laughs> I had a, a, a chat with Craig Girard last week, who's, I think he's, what, 56, 57-ish. He was world champion last year with, with on eight-way. Yeah. And it's like there's this... He's world champion every year. He's Craig Girard. Yeah, pretty much. He's the man. <laughs> oh, my God, I love him. It's just not the same. I remember when I was a kid, anyone in their 50s was old. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm kind of getting up there, and I feel 
young, yeah. but it just seems like your commitment to fitness. I look at Jeffro and yeah. all he's doing with his flexibility yeah. and his yoga and, you know, it's, it's definitely... You have to stay on it. You can't let it go. Once you let it go, you have to fight harder to get it back, you know, but it comes back... Um, it comes back pretty quick if you do let off, you know, like if you quit lifting weights and then you come back to lifting weights, all of a sudden pump back up to right where you were when you were at your max. But then if you want to progress from there, that's the trick, taking it to the next level. And that's just like being top of your game and then pushing a little bit harder. You know, you can't just get comfortable. You have to always keep shoving it forward, you know, and like never relax really. I mean, there is definitely, you want to relax. But, um, and, and one of my favorite things is to, at the end of the day is to totally chill and just reflect what happened today. That was awesome. And it's fun when you're with your bros and like, dude, that time you jumped and that thing you did was gnarly. Let's bring it back like to this, you know, or that was so sick. If you push harder, you could do this, but having that reflection time to like what happened. It's like giving yourself a, your own personal debrief, you know, mm. like, what did I do today? That was crazy. How can I continue that and make it work in a uh, positive growing manner? So have reflection time and have rest time. But when you get up in the morning, like, let's go charge, you know, how old were you when you decided to do the, the uh, 63 jumps in 24 hours? Oh gosh. I think I was 30, 36. Okay. I, I've done this twice. I did 57 jumps in um, 20 and a half hours and the winds picked up, you know, and I had like three and a half hours to go and the winds just were just went from zero to 30 gusting 50. And so I just sat there and waited and waited. Come on. It's going to pass through. It's going to pass through. I can keep going. I, I told everybody I'm going to do 50 base jumps, but really my goal was to do 60 and, and if I kept on my pace, I could have done 69. You know what I mean? What was the motivation for that? And forgive me, I know you've talked about this a lot, but I, I know there's many in our audience that haven't heard this, but why why did you want to do this? Nobody was doing it, you know? And and I asked around, I'm like, what's the most base jumps that someone's done in a day? And I heard, oh, 16. You know, Ed Trick did 16 off an antenna, you know, packed and jumped them all. That's pretty amazing. But he did that in 24 hours, and I'm like, okay, I could do that. I could double that. I could probably, I want to, if I'm going to do this, I want to put that record to bed, you know, and try to try to nail it in. And uh, and I ended up going for it while my wife was trying to raise money for children with special needs because, as an occupational therapist, she sees these kids who are like, the parents can't support them, the government can't help them, they need help, but we don't know who to go to, so. You know, I'm all, well, let's let's do a fundraiser for them with this record. And she's like, oh, great idea. And we've created a fundraiser that now is self-supporting in the hospital. Nikki was able to set up a fund, a special needs fund, a, a fund for special needs children in the hospital that now self-generates. You know, we put like $16,000 a year in it from just raising money. And Amazing. For 10 years, we did that. And now it just, it just generates its own thing. But um, yeah, we... We kind of like doubled down and like, you know, help them while I did this. And like just it just boosted this too and, and to another level. And yeah, I trained for a whole year. And the deal was you hiked out yep. every single, no transportation out powered. from. Human powered. Because yeah. there is a world record for the most space jumps in a day. And that's 201 by Dan Schilling, who used a crane to pull him up. 
and I went for the human powered method, you know, using no um, outside source of energy except for a person. You mentioned your wife, Nikki, and if you mind me asking, how, how did you guys meet? She moved into a house I was couch surfing at in Tahoe and she had graduated college and um, I fell in love the first moment I saw her. Got her into skydiving a little bit. She came up to Point North Heli Adventures when I, I, I was couch surfing for like a month and a half in between my tent and going to Alaska to go fuel helicopters at a, at a helicopter ski operation, Points North. I got her to come up and visit me up there and game on and we got together and that's right when I'm right before we went to Baffin Island and the whole Red Bull, everything started. And like, that was just like magical time in my life where everything just like, mm. was she a hardcore jumper or no. anything like that? No, no, not at all. She was a snowboarder, you know, occupational therapist who came up to Tahoe to go snowboarding and hang out. And then she came up to Alaska and snowboarded. She was going to stay for a week. I got her job in the kitchen. She stayed up for a month. And, um, when we moved back, um, to Tahoe, we were, we were dating, and then I got her to start skydiving. We took her for a tandem, and then next thing you know, she wants to get into it, got her a parachute, and she's done one base jump off the bridge on her 25th birthday. It was a little overwhelming for her. She said, I could keep that sport. <laughs> but yeah, she was like, had a line twist, kicked out of it on a base jump, and that's kind of a, that's kind of a sporty thing to get something like that, where you're like, oh God. Here we go. I got to kick out of this line to us before I go land the single parachute system. It's pretty wild. That is wild. Miles, sometimes, you know, when we see people on social, there is a persona that they're putting out there. Yep. And I think I will be honest, when, I, when you first came in my radar, I thought that there was a persona. And as I've continued to observe you and talk with a mutual friend like Sonic, who's like, no, nah, man, that guy, what you see is what you get. There isn't a persona. You are who you are. You seem very comfortable in your own skin. Some of us have hang-ups. Like, I don't feel insecurity with you. Like, you're just comfortable. You are who you are. I'll get to the question here in a second, but one thing I really appreciate and, and makes me go, man, I really want to interview. I don't want to interview you because you're a Red Bull athlete, Miles. It's, I'm, I'm fascinated by you. Part of the reason for that is you'll sometimes post something on your social of, date night with your wife yeah i look at it and i go man that that is beautiful because the world would say oh my god she must be losing sleep and how do they manage this yeah. guy with his risk and his and his you know globe trotting and all and it and it's it feels pure <laughs> yeah yeah it, it feels pure and i'm not saying that it's nothing is perfect but yeah. that's where my fascination with you is miles is that you you appear to be the real deal Yep. You know, it's just like very positive. Thank you. Yeah, I try to keep positive since birth because that's still the only way to go. When you're positive, you grow. So, yeah, that's. But, but where does where does that perspective come from? Because that's ideal. It's it's really a great way to live, mm -hmm. but it's not easy because otherwise everybody would do it, right? Yeah, like it no takes one... work a little bit. My, my mom, when I was young, taught me, hey, smiling is contagious. Try it go around school and just smile at people, you know, and it's not easy to use all those face muscles to go, <laughs> you know, smile at somebody, but you smile at them, they see you and then they're like, Oh, hey, smiley guy, smile right back. Boom. Contagious. And I don't know. I've just always started doing that and, you know, being a boy scout kind of helped mold who I am today too, you know, 
trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, irreverent, all that. And, um, yeah, just try to try to keep things positive and keep things moving and growing. My thing is always trying to make the world a better place to live for you and I. So, uh, yeah, just, just try to keep it like that and good things come to good people. So just be good and keep things moving and, uh, you'll be doing just fine. This is kind of how I feel about life in general and keep growing as a person. You know, I feel like if I'm your kids, I mean, that's just like the best uh, to have a dad with that, you know, positivity. Yeah. I come at you in the morning, like, Hey, good morning today. Do you want to be poopy or do you want to be awesome? And they're like, I want to be awesome dad. All right, let's go. Let's be awesome. Brush your teeth. Let's go (laughs) make your bed. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. Good times. I'm not always awesome though. Just so you know, like just, well, most of the time, who is? I, mean, <laughs> I, 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 I doubt that you have more positives and low days. Yeah. Yeah. Try to keep it moving forward. Always awesome, you know, but um, some days are like, oh, I don't feel like doing anything. I'm going to binge watch Netflix right here and get my Ted Lasso on, you know, and something like that, you know. <laughs> Why am I not surprised you referenced Ted Lasso of all the shows? Because <laughs> awesome? another such a positive it's so good god yeah. didn't didn't we need ted lasso in covid that was my hero god, that was oh, therapy yeah. oh yeah, yeah. That was therapy miles i ask all of my guests this in life there is a crossroads moment that we more than one probably for me i you know i used to be a golf pro i had this this guy with a, a chevy astrovan that said scott i've carolina parachute center And it was a crossroads moment for me where I put my business card on his windshield going, hey, I'm kind of interested in this. I'd like to do a tandem. And then he leaves a brochure in the pro shop that says, hey, I've been struggling at golf for 19 years. I need golf lessons. Let's do a barter trade. If I don't leave the business card on the windshield, I'm not talking to you right now. It was a it was a total crossroads moment where I my entire life changed by following down this path and this curiosity. Yeah. Can you share a, a crossroads moment where had you not taken this one path, maybe you're not where you are today? Yeah. I mean, it goes comes back to right when I graduated college. And it comes, there's so many different like oh my gosh it's just like i can't even believe we are here where we are now because there's so many ways to get out of line and not into where you need to be but um yeah after college i thought i'm gonna go ski for a season and then surf for a season and then get my teaching credential and teach um, high school physical education and I ended up turning that first ski season into 11 years. And then that's when I started skydiving in the middle of that. When Frank died, um, that's when I figured I'm going all in on this sport. You know what I mean? I was like on the fence, like, am I doing the right thing? He just died. I've seen so many people like things happen, but if you're, if you're focused, you can make this sport, you know, you could do it properly. And Frank, he always would talk about me and he wouldn't teach me at the beginning. He would say, I want you to be in it and have longevity in it. Otherwise don't get in it at all. And that's my goal is to survive it, have longevity all the way through and to be a, um, I don't know, not merely a benchmark, but um, like a, this is what's possible. And that's what I'm always trying to do is like, Hey, this is possible. I could fly this bike off a cliff with a paraglider, or I could jump this kayak out of a plane and land it in a river. Or, you know, I'm always trying to figure out what you could do next, you know, like, jump out of this paramotor and remote control it down. 
there's so many things and like just keep dreaming up what you want to do and keep after it but don't lose heart i would say because it's so easy for somebody to just discredit like make fun of you and if you listen to everybody you won't go anywhere in life because most people are trying to break you down and go oh you can't do that you can't do that and when people say that to me you can't do what you can't do what oh watch this i could totally do that hold my red bull check this move out it's like not even that hard you know if you break it down into parts and build the steps up and then practice each step and all of a sudden bam you're doing a, a task that you didn't even think was possible why why do you have the courage why have you had the courage to do what you wanted to do versus what society expects you to do you know what i mean like yeah i had to break some rules to start base jumping for sure you know and at first i wasn't like hey i don't know if i want to do this because i could get in trouble but as long as i'm willing to face the music if i did get in trouble and like okay gotta go to court gotta do the thing gotta like i'm a bad person because i trespassed you know I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to leave footprints and take pictures. Nothing in life that's worth it is going to be handed to you. You know what I mean? If you want something and it's, it's going to be, if it's going to be amazing, it's going to take a lot of hard work and it's going to take a lot of blood, sweat and tears and a little bit of suffering, you know? Um, and suffering is good for the soul as long as it's not just constantly suffering and it's taking away, you know, it's like positive stress is good for you going into the gym Yes, it hurts, but it's building me up to be better. The trick is to know when you're getting positive stress or when you're breaking down the machine. And once you start breaking down the machine, it's hard to build it back up again. And yeah, people are always, you know, a lot of people are going to tell you, you know, you can't do that. You can't do that. That's not normal. You should have a job in a cubicle or whatever, you know, like this is what I think is normal. And I don't like what normal is anyway. I've never been like, the normal guy i've been like hey let's can i borrow your guys bikes and lay them out on the street on the sidewalk here so i can build this ramp and see how many i could jump like evil knievel because that's my hero right there you know and i always wanted to be a stuntman in hollywood and just been kind of training myself to become one and i've ticked that box you know iron man three i was major duxley reporting for duty got blown out of air force one and grabbing on to all my friends and teammates with no goggles, hidden rigs, did 35 hidden rig jumps each for a world record. Like 12 of us did 35 hidden rig jumps, you know, each. And it was amazing. And uh, reshaping the way um, Hollywood shoots stuff and reshaping the whole game, you know. And and that whole project with Tom Cruise reshaping the whole – we're going to motorcycle base jump. It's going to be epic. And you know, it's going to be in a movie. He's going to act while he does it and we have to do it safely. So let's make it, we'll break us down and try to mitigate all of the risk and make it. And he crushed it too. I can't even, I'm so proud of Tom. He's, he's a hero to me. Not only is he the greatest actor, but his stunts are unbelievable. And this last stunt that he did, the motorcycle base jump, I think it's right up in his top one (laughs) honestly and he did it so flawlessly but it's just to have these opportunities in life you got to go out and chase the dream it's not going to come to you but you have to push forward and kind of go for it and create and make things happen i always read the chalkboard at school and the teacher we used to have there's three types of people those who watch things happen those who wonder what happened and those who make things happen and i'm always a builder and creator on what's possible here we are on the spinning globe in the universe 
and it's spinning and it's shooting around the sun. And we're just like woo, running around like ants doing whatever we can. And I like to make my ant dance and just do the fun things and just like, this is what's humanly possible. Let's enjoy this human body and, and be awesome and crush it. That is an amazing perspective. But how <laughs> do you have that perspective? Because in, in one minute, we're talking about being a stuntman on Iron Man 3 and the coolness that that was and hanging out with not Tom Cruise, but on a first name basis. I'm so proud of Tom. And I'm wearing a hat right now for those that cannot see emblazoned Red Bull, the, one of the largest brands in the entire world. And there's no arrogance in you. <laughs> why because there's a lot of sky gods with far less accomplishments in our sport yeah Yeah, i guess you know it's like i think that's i think that is what what makes most red bull athletes is you're able to be chill and a normal person but still can like go raise some thunder and make some cool things happen but not be a turd about it you know (laughs) you know i was thinking you know you always i'm listening to you and i have this dialogue going in the back of my brain And I'm thinking, Miles Dasher wasn't on Red Bull Air Force or started Red Bull Air Force with these guys because he was necessarily good at what he was doing at that time. It was because of your attitude. Yeah. Can do, make things happen. You know, packing for people and bringing beer and, you know, just sort of being Johnny on the spot of how can I make your life better? Yep. And that's such a rarity that it's really not surprising that you have the success that you have, Miles. <laughs> nice. Um, you're a motivational speaker too. Yes. And I, I feel like we just got some. In closing, do you have a message for those that are listening that want, that aspire, that are listening to this on the edge of their seat going, I want to be like that guy? Yeah, find out what it is, what you want to do and go do it. Stop, stop and get after it, you know? Don't um, hurt other people doing it, you know what I mean? But like, yeah. And there's so much knowledge to learn. You could use the internet and learn how to build your own rocket and go to the moon if you wanted to, you know, I just say, get after it. And it's like Matthew McConaughey, start living, baby. L I V I N (laughs) because we are, we're alive right now. Let's use this time to like show how to live well. You know, that's kind of what I would say. (laughs) Miles, I think that's a perfect spot to wrap us up. We went over time. I'm, I'm very grateful. I, I was a little selfish there because I really enjoyed. I don't care about how many jumps you've got. What I respect and admire about you is how you treat others. Yeah, I think that's. And um, I, I just want to say for our listeners, your schedule is so busy. And the fact that you've been so generous with your time amidst getting ready to hit the road to, to Montreal and then somewhere else yeah. uh it's amazing and uh i'm super grateful thank you very much my friend you're a great example That's one to more, us all i gotta give you one more word of advice time management <laughs> you can manage your time then you'll go far and that's the hardest part of it is like make a schedule try to keep it and like okay i'm gonna wake up i'm gonna do these four things before this time and then i'm gonna eat and then do that and then but in the big picture i need to schedule i need to get my schedule tightened up my calendar you know so yeah that's that's the hard part right there do you book all your own flights and all that or does someone manage because that that's all of them yeah yeah wow that's super time consuming it is it is but i'm getting pretty good at it you know after two and a half million miles on delta i'm like oh yeah let's dial that in dial it in sometimes you have to call in you know and make things special changes go but uh 
we're becoming professional travelers, world-class travelers. And it's, it's just what an amazing opportunity to be able to do that too, right? <laughs> Sorry, one last question. Of all the beautiful places you've been, for me, it's South Island, New Zealand. Like nice. my brain, yeah. I can't, most beautiful place I've ever seen. For you, what's that place? I am a really big fan of Lauterbrunn in Switzerland or Mirren, Mirren, Switzerland, you know, right around the Eiger, Jungfrau Mountains. And um, I love just drinking out of the rivers, yodeling in the mountains and flying my body through the sky with happy cows ringing bells in the landing area. Oh, man. There's just nothing like it. Yeah. <laughs> and the chocolate's it. good, too. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you once again, Miles. Appreciate it, my friend. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for this opportunity to rock out with you, James. And uh, thank yeah, you. this is awesome. Thanks so much for listening to the 20 Minute Call podcast. Please do follow us on your podcast app so you always have the latest episode downloaded. And leave a review if you really enjoyed the episode. If you want to contact the team, our email address is info at beyondmarketing.xyz. This episode was edited and engineered by Garnet Znydrick of the YouTube channel, Blue Skies, Fun Days. Thanks for listening, and join us in two weeks for our next episode.